fans of the volley chief this is chief david leonard and uh this is the first recording from the basement studio so i figure what a better guest to have coming live from my basement than this gentleman right here so i'm gonna let him introduce himself go ahead uh my name is buddy canty i'm the assistant chief storm ambulance uh city of derby and uh, how long have you been chief now bud um in my third year now third year as assistant chief of the storm ambulance as you know from the previous episodes the Ambulance Corps in Derby handles all the technical rescue work. So Buddy's in charge of not just EMS, but uh, technical rescue, hazmat, marine rescue, all fuzz- falls under the Ambulance Corps. We have that odd association. Uh, so, Bud, tell us how you got involved in emergency services and then, you know, the, the fabled story of how you got to the storms. Yeah, so uh, my father was a policeman and a fireman in Dudley, Massachusetts. His grandfather was the police chief in Webster, Mass., and my other grandfather on my mother's side was the, he ran the ambulance pre-World War II out of the family funeral home in Redding, Connecticut. And then when the Georgetown Fire Department took over, he was heavily involved with EMS and fire in Redding. The and fact that you have a family member that ran the ambulance out of a funeral home explains so much about your patient care skills. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, when I moved to Milford, uh, just pre 9-11, got involved with Little League football, you know, every sport. And one of the members from the Storm, Skip Taylor, was a good family friend, was, you know, my baseball coach for years, ended up working actually for Little League Incorporated with him uh, throughout high school. And he knew that I was always interested. So he got me into my EMT class, joined the Storms in 2011, took a little hiatus when I broke my leg and then came back after a couple surgeries. Yeah, when you when I mean I can still remember the day you walked in. It was obviously a life changing event for me, and I can remember you. You looked like you were twelve. I mean, how, how old were you? Uh, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, like like as a matter of fact, one of the reasons we were so apt to call you Buddy is because you looked like my pal Buddy. I mean, you were, you know, extremely young, freckled. You you looked like a doll. Yeah. It's that milky skin of yours. Yeah. When your assets, so, Kip. Taylor. Now there's, there's a, a road we can go down. Tremendous gentleman, great guy. Uh, he was a member of the storms for a long time, D- did a lot of work with, with the kids. He was big in the little league, um, always, always helping out with the newer members in the organization, just a tremendous guy. And, and I know, you know, he passed away a few years ago. He was sick. It, it was a, a big loss. A lot of us uh, felt that one too. So I, I, I like that you bring Kip up because it's those, those guys that came before us that mentored us, that helped us. And for your group, you know, Kip was around with you guys uh, to help with that. Yeah, I mean, I had Kip in my life since I moved here, you know, just about 20 years. I think I had him for 19. Um, And even after I graduated high school, he was, you know, come down to the firehouse, hang out, and then we'd even meet up for lunch sometimes. Nice. Now, you obviously fell into this. So you, you took your EMT class. Like you said, you got hurt, you broke your leg. We thought you left. You came back. Uh, 
more invigorated and, and kind of stuck around. Now you've made your way up to a leadership position. What do you think some of the, the highlights of your tenure at the Storms have been? Definitely the people I've met. You know, between like you, Louis, Hart, the Antonazis, Butch, Big Mez, Little Mez. Um, Little Mez is like a year, year or two older than me. And he kind of, you know, took me in, kind of like mentored me when I was you know, young. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, you know, just everyone taking you in and showing you the ropes, going through you know, hell and high water together. So you're, you're lucky. I don't have a group. Right. So you look at the firehouse and the guys are grouped together. Right. And it's like, you know, the older group now is obviously Butch and Joe and, and uh, Deej, my father, Pigeon. For Grandpa. that matter. Right. For that matter. And then like you have the next group, which would be like, you know, Louie and Paul. They're kind of their own little island. And then the group after that is like my brother. But because I'm the younger brother, like they're even though most of the that group is is close to my age. You know, Ricky, Danny, Hart, uh, Matt, those guys, they all, you know, I, I kind of sometimes feel like I'm a little bit of an island because I, I never had that. Now, you guys, you know, uh, it was Jim, you know, it was Mez, Alex, you, you guys had that group where you all kind of came in within a couple of years of each other. You guys, you know, you really formed together. And I, I'll tell you what, it is, it is funny for me because to watch you guys grow and, and move on and get jobs and, you know, become become career firemen, career EMTs to be to move on like that. It's the next generation because obviously the older generation of Butch and uh, you know my father, they saw us do it. You know, they saw all of us get hired. They saw all of us kind of move on. So it, it's it's funny because Danny Mascola is his uncle Pat and in our area his uncle Pat is a very, very big wealth of knowledge. He actually told me one time that every twenty or thirty years, all the firehouses should change their names. Because the problem you have is a lot of people can't handle that generational change. And they go down there and they say, well, this isn't the place. This isn't how we did it. This isn't what we did. But a lot of them kind of don't realize that that place is gone and that the, the firehouse of my youth became the firehouse of your youth. And now you're even seeing, you know, Pete, which I, I'm not going to lie. I got a little choked up yesterday when I, when I saw him leaving the firehouse. So our, our our good friend Pete D'Antona, I talked a couple uh, episodes ago about his dad, John, who was the Seymour Canine Handler. He was a captain of the storms. Uh, Pete is a, a Navy veteran. He served aboard the Reagan aircraft yeah, well, carrier. Reagan. And uh, him and his girlfriend just left yesterday to move to Florida. And he's part of that new group. It, it, it hurt a little bit to see him go. It was, you know, like watching one of the birds leave the nest. Uh, something I know I'll never have to worry about with you. But uh that new group, you know, uh, Tavon, Pete, right? Who else is coming in now? Uh, Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno. You know, uh, all these guys. It's just funny to see the, the generations move on. And it starts to make you feel a little bit old when you, you start counting how many generations have come behind you. Now, you now are obviously in a leadership position. And when these new guys come in, you're now one of the, the mentors. So what, what do you? what's the first thing you, you want to impress on a new member? My biggest thing is, you know, come around, show your face, you know, I try to, you know, let the young kids know, don't ask questions because when I joined, I come in, I'd look at the trucks every day, learn the trucks and I was like, oh, what's this? You know, I'd ask Cooper, um, you know, just to clarify, you said, don't ask questions. 
Did you mean? Oh, ask, I meant ask. Yeah, questions. I was gonna ask say that. Yeah. It's like the polar opposite yeah, of every no, advice. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Okay. Um, so I would ask like Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. We forgot about Cooper. Uh, the generational group. Cooper was big because you know we both were working AMR at the time, so our schedules kind of lined up. And at night, me and him would be there and be like asking him questions about different equipment or operations, and you know, Coop wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I you know, and that's something even to this day that we tell a lot of new guys is is don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't know what something is or how something works, just ask somebody. And and I've told a lot of people both here and in my job that if if you don't know, ask, because it's better that we're back at the firehouse and we're trying to figure out how something works than we're on the side of the road at two in the morning and you're like, I don't know how to use this thing. So that that is a, a, a huge thing. And it's something that as leaders we should encourage to ask questions. But we also need to teach them when not to ask questions. And that comes into, you know, when you're on a scene, you're trying to do stuff. We know that the generational gap and that the newer generations, they like a lot of the question why. And they're very big into, well, why do you want me to do that? Well, why do you want me to do that? But there is, there's, a, there's a time to ask questions and there's a time not to. Yeah, I mean, uh, John Ruggiero, Lou Ferrigno, two real young guys, both joined straight out of high school. Um, I remember I was going to a reported fire. I was driving engine 12 at uh, Ruggiero in the front. And I said, hit that plug. He started looking for like a cigarette lighter, like the little plug in for a phone charger. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, you said, look for the plug. I said, the hydrant. So we got back to firehouse afterwards. It's like, all right, plug means hydrant. I'll explain that to him. But uh, yeah, the, the young kids, I feel like they get a, When they come around the firehouse more and more, they start to realize when to ask questions, when not to. Yeah, and I and I agree with you that telling them to come around because there's that awkward, you know, somebody joins and they're not like, you know, well, what do I do? Especially in a volunteer setting because there's no schedule. You know, I mean, obviously we do training every Thursday, or occasional, excuse me, occasional weekend. But in, in this case, telling them to just simply come around and encouraging them to show their face is a big thing. Uh, one thing I've always advocated for, and I, I, you know, I shame on me, I had the chance to do it. I still wish we took pictures of the new people and like a mugshot and just yeah. put it on the wall because it is like how many times you come in the firehouse and there's a kid sitting there and like you're like, hi, and you know, like, are they supposed to be here? You know, what are they doing? And they're like, oh, I'm the new guy. And then you're like, oh, okay. But I, I've always thought we should put like a wall of mugshots. You know, one side we could have a wall of mugshots of the new kids, the other side we could have a wall of actual mugshots, you know. So I think that's something that uh, you know, for those of you who, who bring in a lot of new people, having a way to easily identify them, not just on a scene, like I'm not saying, you know, you give them a yellow helmet or a probationary shield, post their pictures up in the firehouse and, and a little bit about them, like a bio, so that anyone coming in can kind of look at the board, see who's there, you missed a meeting or two, things like that. It's not a bad idea for, for new members. Yeah, I know uh, Seymour Ambulance, I don't know if they still do, it's been a while since I've been there, but they used to have a board with all the new people and like people in the EMT class. So you would see the picture be like, okay, that's who's riding with me today. And it, it helped me out, especially when I was an officer up there. Now, what have you found to be the biggest challenge mm -hmm. since you're taking an officer role? The administration side of it is definitely, you know, not the easiest. No. And, and, and again, we've talked about it. You know, uh, I talked with Chief Ellis, talked with Chief Thode. 
about how much of your time is taken up by simple administrative duties. Uh, you know, the volunteer side, there's no, nobody paid to be there to run things. Uh, I mean, how much time do you spend a week on run forms? Uh, luckily for me, uh, Paul Varsanek does most of the run forms, but I do take a look at them, check for billing, stuff like that. Uh, the biggest thing for us, especially this time of year, is we got the tax board, capital plan, all that stuff coming up. And we have a bunch of new elected officials on the tax board, board of aldermen. So when we do our budget presentation, we do an actual, I'd say probably 15, 20 minute slide PowerPoint, PowerPoint of, uh, who we are, what we do, our you know, operating budget from our side of things, what increase we're looking for, uh, capital purchases, you know, how many, how much money we've gotten grants, what we need, you know, need a new rescue truck, need another new ambulance, stuff like that. Now this year we did make out pretty well on the grant front. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Right. We received a, uh, about a $10,000 grant to upgrade the, some of the boat mm -hmm. equipment. Uh, the big one was obviously what, 70. Yeah. Uh, was 69 and change, I believe. That was for uh, hydraulic hearst equipment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the advantages, and again, there's always pros and cons to every organization. The Ambulance Corps being a non-city entity that's a 501c3 nonprofit, grants are a different pool than like, you know, I mean, obviously when, when I was fire chief, we were able to get a couple of uh, the Fire Act grants. We applied for a few of them. We were able to get a couple, but the Ambulance Corps could apply outside because you're a nonprofit as, as separate mm -hmm. entities. So that's, uh, you know, that's mm -hmm. another, again, I always tell everyone there's pros and cons to both organizations. And one of the, the pros of the Ambulance Corps is your, your grant pool is a little bit bigger because of the fact that you're just a nonprofit. And this year, you know, we were able to, to, to snag some money to, to purchase, do some upgrade of equipment. Yeah. Much needed. The, uh, first those we had the, we had the golds, they were phenomenal, but it was, it was time to yeah. upgrade. I mean, fortunately for us, we were able to upgrade, you know, a lot of equipment towards the end of the year. We have a, uh, we, besides upgrading the, the Hearst the tools, right? Stuff. The new rope stuff, the new, you know, that kind of end of the year kind of stuff. So a lot of training coming up in the spring. Yes. Uh, now, what do you personally, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, training? Like, tell us your, <clears throat> your, your plan for the spring. So, like you said, we got new rope stuff, uh, new harnesses. We just got a bunch of new, we're in the process of getting a bunch of new equipment for the boats, uh, side scan sonar that Pigeon uh, got. So we'll be out on the water with the boats, training on that, getting the new kids, I don't wanna say new kids, new members, you know, acclimated to you know, being in the cold water suit, uh, you know, operating the boat, and then the confined space, and we do that every year. Butch runs that, and then I want to I spoke to you about it. Setting up the pretty pre-rigged rope system, so when you get there, you don't have to start rigging it or anything. It's already set; you're good to go. You don't need the diagram on the side of the truck <laughs> anymore. So yeah, but you know, I, a lot of people don't understand the value of having the diagram on the side of the truck. Uh, you know, nowadays with technology. You have the iPads out there. I mean, we've had a couple instances recently where we had to construct some double T shores. You know, middle of the night, it doesn't hurt to pull out the, the shoring guide, to pull out your iPad, to pull out the diagram on the side of the truck. Just as a, you know, five minutes ago, I was sound asleep in bed. Now I'm trying to build a rope system. Yeah. Let me look at this. And, and 
I think that's a good, you know, tip to give to a lot of departments is that having, you know, reference material right there in the apparatus. And, and now, like you said, we tape it to the inside doors. It's, it's literally, you know, some of the things are duct taped to the inside doors of the rigs. Uh, they're on the iPads. There's photos of them around the firehouse, things like that, just so that it, you're constantly seeing it. You know, I, I can remember years ago, we had some of the new members, we were having a problem where they were putting some straight gas in the mixed gas, you know, mixed gas and the straight gas. And we, we came up with a, a simple flow chart of what takes what. And, and fortunately, the problem went away. But it's those little cheat sheets a lot of times that, that help us. And I, I even I've seen a lot of engine companies that have, you know, like a pump chart. Oh, yeah. uh, we have we have, you know, Len's famous pump chart. And what one of the members did was he made a pump chart and it, it's very in-depth and it goes, there's a blue line that tells you what all your standards are. And then if you add or take hose away or change a nozzle, there's a little matrix to follow. And, and there are times those come in handy, especially, I, I don't drive a lot. I, I'm very proud of the fact that I've spent years living the closest to the firehouse and never had to drive. Uh, it was very, you know, a lot of work went into that, but I, I don't drive a lot. So if I'm down the firehouse by oddity and pull in, it's good to have that reference material right there. Yeah, I mean, I've used it multiple times, especially when I lived on Upper Olivia. Plenty of times where uh, I think Guardiano Terrace, actually. What's the uh, saying in the valley? Nobody, Nobody beats, beats Buddy in. Nobody beats Buddy in. Sorry, Echoes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no. I've used it. I know I used it at Star Pin because we had to add hose length before Mez took over the pump for me. And uh, Guardiano, I know I used it because we had the uh, – Three inch to the high rise pack. So, and that's uh, you know, one of the things about driving is for us, the younger guys, the, the interior guys, you're looking for. I hate to throw those guys in the older guy category, but that's what you're looking for, yeah. right? Like you drive the engine there, and you're like, 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 hopefully you're going to turn around and see Deej or see Mez or see one of those guys walking over, where you could be like, you know, ooh, uh, I I can tell you, I actually remember, uh. Star pin. Who drove eleven? Uh, Mikey Traz. Mikey Traz drove. No, Mikey. Mikey Traz because he took in the. Uh, that's right. The that's alarm. right. Took in the alarm. But um, I, I thought it was Star pin. I got to think one of them. But Mike DeFranzo came walking up, and was like, "Hey, you need anything?" And I was like, "Yeah, go. Just make sure. Walk around. Look at the pumps. Make sure that the guys are okay with the pumps." And he like was like, "Are you being serious?" I'm like, "Yeah, Mike. I'm like, I you know, Mike was my engineer." and uh bridgeport for a little while and he's one of our our best engineers and he buffed the fire just happened to come over to buy the command post and saw me he was like you need anything i was like yeah just go around and check on the operators make sure that they're good because pumping a, a you know multiple alarm you know old type four factory fire and having lines everywhere is something that we don't do a lot so having someone look over your shoulder that just knows it's never a bad thing yeah definitely i, I remember it was either the star pin or another one down on canal street I had laid in, hooked up, a little mess charged the hydro for me. And then we had the stinger going. And then we had a couple two and a halfs going as well. And I was like, okay. I think it was Anthony Delucia. He he was in like the before like the state really had pump operator when they used to have like the local pump operator class. And he went to the first night of class and then a day or two later we had the VFW fire in Shelton. And it was right over the bridge. It was the first building in the Shelton coming from Derby. Anthony had better position because the way that the apparatus laid out. And he ended up pumping. He had like five hand lines off. It was insane what he was flowing. 
and he quit the pump class after because he mm -hmm. said if I was able to spend you know four hours pumping every line I had at that fire, I obviously don't need to take this twenty hour pump class. But that I mean, as we all know, I mean that was in the mid nineties, so things were a little bit different back then. But uh, you know that was Anthony too, as we all know Anthony. So yeah, I mean I lucked out uh, when I was learning to drive the trucks. Louis was the drill master down in New Haven. So I'd go down there and just pump lines for fire one classes, stuff like that. And that's how I really learned how to pump. Right. It's a lot of us. I mean, we, you know, a lot of us learned to pump before we could drive. It was because, you know, we wanted to know how the pumps worked, how things worked. Plus if, if we ever needed to help out with the pump. So most of us learned pumping before we actually turned 21 and were able to drive just because we wanted the knowledge. So, we got a lot coming up this year. We talked about that. Uh, Buddy's history. He's a Massachusetts guy. Makes him a Red Sox fan. Uh, Patriot fan, yep. right? Yeah, you know, right Bruins, off the bat. Celtics. Bruins. So, uh, I mean, I am a Bruin fan for the when I dabble in hockey. I will go with the Bruins. Um, so, we're like real Bruin fans now. Not like the guys with their Jeeps with the Bruin tire, you know, that run yeah. other training pages. Uh, so, that's pretty much, you know, where we're at, Buddy. Uh, as you guys know, Buddy's kind of, I've been his mentor, kind of following my footsteps a little bit. So it is a little bit of pride to see you become a chief and, you know, see you mature a little bit. Uh, but with anything else you want to add before we close? Yeah, we're having our uh, 75th anniversary this year. We're celebrating. Uh, we got a couple of events coming up open to the public. Uh, the first one is going to be a road race. Uh, it's a 5K going to be in conjunction with Badsum Brewery here in the big city of Derby. We're just waiting on final approval from the city. We need to, we have permitting going in, but it's a good, uh, it is, you know, we should probably start plugging it here on the yep. show. So, so good thought there. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. And, and then, then the other one's not set up yet. So I don't yeah, want to. We'll, we'll leave that one out. Oh yeah. But the other one's going to fall and I think it's going to be an excellent, excellent uh, opportunity. We're going to go uh, and check it out. So we're very excited about that. And then the annual storm engine company ball this year uh the engine company realized it's our 75th anniversary so they're letting us headline it so it's going to be the storm engine company uh 2024 ball with storm ambulance 75th anniversary in conjunction open to the public it's a good time uh food dancing music good time that's going to be at uh it's going to be black friday at the birchwoods in woodbridge connecticut follow us on facebook instagram and Wally uh, Chief, I'm sure he'll give us a plug up there as well. Yes. So thank you, everyone, for listening this week. Buddy, thank you for your thank first you for guest me. appearance coming from the basement studio. Very apropos, as they would say. So everyone, thank you. Have a great time. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you're interested in being on the show, shoot me an email, thevolleychief.com. Have a good night. Burn, we want to stop recording.